I truly believe that Brock Bowers is the single best tight end prospect that the NFL has ever had. My 101 is Marvin Harrison Jr. So I've got the 106. You want to give me Tyreek Hill? Okay. You want to give me Tyreek Hill? Okay. <laughs> me too. I love you too. Welcome back to the Dynasty Digest, where we give you a consumable dynasty perspective. I'm Jake, joined as always by Tim. This week, uh, we're going to do a little two-part series here where we're going to talk about draft capital and what to do if you don't necessarily want to make a pick when you're on the clock, what options you can look at to move off of, and what our preferred returns for those capitals would be. But while we're while I'm going to run this intro, you guys already know you should subscribe to the channel so you can help us get to 2,500 subscribers. It's been our goal all season long. Let's get it before the NFL draft, baby. Let's get it done. But also, I want you to scroll down to the comments and tell us where you're picking in your rookie drafts and who you hope to get there. Welcome. You're listening to JWB Fantasy Football. Thanks for listening. We're going to waste no time. We're going to hop right into the fun stuff here. Tim, what do you want for the 101 if you're not going to make the pick there? And if you are, I'm going to, I'm going to make this a, a double part thing. If you are making the pick at one one who's your one-on-one? My one-on-one is Marvin Harrison Jr. So I would want more than, than if Marvin Harrison Jr. wasn't in this draft class and I had to pick Caleb. So for me, usually the, the rule of thumb for me is like two and a half to three first in terms of value. But that also depends on where these firsts are because I'm not really looking to move the 101 for the 108, 109, 110 in many scenarios, especially, or I shouldn't say especially, but even if I'm rebuilding because of the fact that I might not be getting true needle moving players and taking very big risks on players that might end up being, let's say, wide receiver twos at best. Or if you're taking a running back there, you're probably reaching. And then if there's any sort of quarterback that gets capital and the, you know, that's how your league likes to draft and things like that, you're probably still reaching on a player like that in, in those spots. So it's, it's kind of a funky draft to have that conversation. So I, I would probably want something back that's pretty solidified and picks on top if I'm trying to do something where it's not an equal equal type player, but you got to really, you have to leverage those picks when they're that high up in the draft, just because of the fact that you don't get that many opportunities where you have true needle moving value right. that in other scenarios, you're like, okay, for example, last year, CJ Stroud, right? He was my QB one, but in a lot of scenarios, he was going 105, 106, sometimes 104, rarely 103, 102, just because of Bijan. Unless I was and, in your league and preference. So, yeah. So basically with, with that scenario, you're lucky to get a Bijan, or I'm, I'm sorry, a CJ Stroud later than like the first two or three picks. Mm-hmm. Is it is it possible with this year's class? Maybe, but just looking back. So now we know that CJ Stroud is probably worth about three first. So that's kind of my argument as to why I feel that at the top of the draft, I really need to find right. um, and leverage that value as best as possible. So if I'm moving it, I, I'm I'm most likely going to try to get something back that's that that will solidify in my lineup. It might be more difficult to be like, hey, I'm going to trade this 101 for a top five quarterback just because you're hoping that Caleb Williams, if you're taking Caleb, Caleb Williams in, at 101, is a top five quarterback. So you're probably either looking down a tier or you're going to look at a different position. So it's really going to have a lot to do with the roster makeup. Now, right. I don't mind going after some young wide receivers if I can get two because maybe they are um, mid wide receiver twos, but they are wide receiver twos that are more solidified to be wide receiver twos going forward in mm-hmm. uh, fantasy scoring. And that really helps pump a lineup up, especially if you can move players down in the flex that give you strength in the flex spot. Definitely. Yeah. So I'm a little bit different than you. Uh, I, I'm a Caleb guy. Uh, so I, I'm a Caleb one-on-one guy, just especially because uh, for those who don't know, we're almost always talking about super flex. If we ever are talking about fantasy football and it's Tim and I, there's a 99.9999999% chance that we are talking about super flex leagues. And for me, just the values that QBs hold um, just surpasses that. Like for, for Marvin to be worth the 101 for me, for example, um, you know, I'm looking at he needs to be a top five receiver. Um, and the fifth receiver, using keep trade cut values anyway, comes off the board as the 17th pick. So yeah, I would need like, a lot for for uh, he would need to be a stud right away no questions about it to to be worth the 101 for me whereas with quarterbacks 
the the same quarterback that goes right around that pick is the quarterback nine. So there's a little bit more flexibility with quarterback values being just a little bit inflated in super flex that allows me to feel more comfortable taking Caleb there. Um, and I think the ceilings are really similar. Like both of them have, you know, top two at the position ceilings, in my opinion. Um, maybe not as high with Caleb. Maybe it's more like top four just because you know, we don't know what the rushing upside is going to translate to um but Mahomes is holding quarterback two value with not a ton of rushing like some rushing but not you know he's not a Josh Allen he's not Jalen Hurts he's not Lamar you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. um for me to move off the 101 it's the same kind of thing you know uh th- roughly three first fourth of value um but for me if I'm moving off of the 101 assuming that that's a truly earned 101 so like I t- I tanked my team is in need of players I am targeting almost exclusively what I view as kind of like the top eight quarterbacks though. And then after that, it starts to become a little bit more of a discussion. Um, So for example, for me, um, those, you know, those top eight quarterbacks include, uh, you know, Josh Allen, Jalen hurts, Mahomes, uh, CJ Stroud, Burrow. Don't quote me on Burrow. Actually, let me, yeah, Burrow. Burrow is kind of the end of it for me. So um, also includes Kyler Herbert, um, yeah, that's everybody. So then after that is where it starts to become of like, I need a little bit more like to move off of him for Anthony Richardson. Um, I get the benefit of Richardson still being young. Um, but there's just enough question marks there for me that I need a plus on top of it. Um, Dak a little bit too old for me to be having a non-competitive team and trying to bring him on, uh, to a dynasty roster. Um, and then we're looking at like fields and Purdy who have question marks in their own right, but are still quarterback ones in my rankings. So for me, I'm truly looking at, you know, a guy that is going in my lineup every single week and I'm never going to worry about it, who also is going to hold the same value that Caleb is going to if he hits ceiling. And for me, like those guys are all still top 10 startup picks, like assuming we're not drafting rookie picks, like really the only two guys that kind of break into that tier, maybe three guys are three wide receivers in Jefferson, Chase and CD. Those are really the only guys I ever see going in the first that aren't quarterbacks. Um, So I I feel more comfortable in the quarterback return side of things. That being said, if I do have a a lesser team, I'll say I'm not upset at targeting wide receivers either there. Um, Like you said, not really those top tier wide receivers, but if I can get a, you know, my second tier, like Amon Ra plus a little something, it would need to be a side. Like basically once you're out of my first tier of players, for for both the quarterback and the wide receivers, I need at least another first on top of it. Preferably for me, a future first rather than a later first in the draft, unless I'm staying in the top six. Um, so we're looking at like Amon Ra, Puka, Garrett Wilson, uh, Alave, Ayuk, DJ Moore, you know, guys like that. I would need some sizable pluses on top of it. But the 101 for anybody who's considering not making that pick is not a pick that you should be trading until right leading up to the draft because that is when prospect hype is going to be the highest. That's when player values for those guys are going to be more solidified. And we're going to have, hopefully, you know, at that point we've been, we've done enough mock drafts and uh, and we've seen what the, how the NFL value these values, these guys that, you know, where they're going to go in the draft. So it's a little bit more easy to solidify that value later on. And I just want to clarify real quick. When I said two wide receiver twos, I mean like young upcoming pretty suddenly players, I'm not talking about like taking back end wide receiver twos. Yeah, no, you're looking for like, I'm just going to throw two guys out there that are in my rankings kind of in that, you know, wide receiver two, but still upside range. You're looking for like a Drake London, Rasheed Rice. You're looking for like a Chris Alave, Garrett Wilson, if you're targeting a little bit higher, like you want young guys who are still the the top option in their offense who could transcend up into those higher tiers, not like. T Higgins and Jordan Addison. No, I don't hate either one of those guys, but I agree. They're more likely going to stay in that mid to late yeah. lower wide receiver two production. So I agree with you on that. Yeah. It's not, it's not mm-hmm. that I don't like those guys. It's just the path for them to be wide receiver ones, especially like top six wide receivers is a lot harder than a guy like Garrett Wilson, who we know is uber talented and has just had poor quarterback play or Chris Olave kind of in the same tier. Uh, Rasheed Rice, looked really good second half of the year tied to Mahomes. Like these guys and Drake London earns targets like it's his job. Like we know these guys are good at football versus guys who it's like, 
yeah, they're pretty good at football, but they're a little bit older or they're stuck as the wide receiver two slash potentially third target option on their team. You know, we, we still want these guys to have a ton of upside. Yeah. And let me ask you, what would you to let's say you're moving back within the top six. Let's say you're moving back to 103, 104 or 105 or 106. Mm-hmm. Uh, give me kind of a very a variant of like what you would take on top of those picks to move back from 101. Yeah. So if I'm moving back for me, I think the biggest fall off talent wise is after the 104. In my opinion, I don't think Malik neighbors is that far behind Marvin Harrison. I don't think Drake may is really that far behind Caleb, but I think Jaden Daniels is a tier down for me. And then there's another tier down to Brock Bowers just based off of potential usage for Bowers, not talent. So for me, if I'm staying in that, like, 102 assume i'm not getting the 102 if i'm saying in like that 103 104 range i still want like a if i'm going quarterback wise that's where i want like a brock purdy that's where i want a jordan love something like that on top of the pick um just because i'm still getting the quarterback then but i have that flexibility to say all right i got a quarterback that i'm happy enough with this is where i can take malik neighbors if he's my guy or if he falls or, you know, I can take a, another quarterback if I'm, you know, a truly needy team that's got like one quarterback that's startable on the roster. If I'm looking wide receiver wise, I'm probably more in that like DJ Moore, Rasheed Rice, Jalen Waddell, Devonta Smith range where it's like guys who can have wide receiver one weeks still, but aren't the wide receiver ones on their team. And then if I'm going back even farther, the plus just goes higher. So if it's like the 105, I need a Garrett Wilson. I need a Puka. I need something like that on top of it. Uh, Quarterback wise, I need like probably at minimum like a Herbert Burrow Kyler to to go back there. Um, Kind of my quarterback six through eight. Um, If I'm going all the way back to the 106 and I know I'm sticking myself with probably Brock Bowers. I need a lot. <laughs> I need a lot. I need a top five. I need a Lamar. I need a CJ Stroud. I need a um, let's wide receiver wise. I need Amon Ra or CD. I need something like that to really make that big of a jump back because I'm passing on what I consider elite talent to be like elite talent, but the situation is going to dictate how successful they are. I think based on your prices, I think that it would be hard to get a Lamar with the 106. I think in the 106, I think that people might turn down 101. But I, what we should pull from this is that most likely, if you have the 101, you're not moving that far back. Right. But we have a different top four. So we do. For me, for me, it's I have Marvin, Caleb, Jaden Daniels, and Neighbors. And for me, I I'm not a hundred percent sold on Neighbors. Like I really like his athleticism, but I want to see more a little bit more. In terms of his route running, I want to see a little bit more refinement. Mm-hmm. He's been beating guys with, you know, just straight speed. And I understand that like his missed or broken tackle rate is like super high, but that's also guys that are diving at him a lot of the time. So I think he's great. I think he could be that guy that just uses his athleticism. So it's a guy for me that I, I would want to take that shot on the same way. Right. Like you take shots on guys just all the time, just because that their potential to reach a different a different sphere that most other players can't so then i have may at 105 so really that's my line mm-hmm. um i do like may and i think if you are a quarterback needy team at 104 or 105 you should be just just fine just happy taking them um i just think the ceiling's a little bit different so for me i think I, my like my ideal draft is if i don't get marvin i, I, I want to see if i can move back and get something pretty good on top and draft Jaden Daniels if possible possible. But if I have like the one Oh two and the first, first um, pick took Marvin, I'm going to sell it. Like it's the one Oh one for Caleb and I'm going to look for a King's ransom. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to, and we'll talk about these guys a little bit as we go through too. So one Oh two wise, I'm assuming your one Oh two is Caleb. Yeah. Mine's Marvin. So we're just, we're just flipped there. So moving out of the one Oh two, this is actually probably the pick I'm least likely to move out of in the top like because I'm, I'm getting an elite prospect no matter what in my opinion so for me you almost have to pay me what you're going to pay me though for the 101 to get me to move out of the 102 because those guys are so close like if it weren't for if it weren't for the super flex you know inflated quarterback values like pure talent wise 
I view these guys as near equals, just obviously playing different positions. So I don't know if you if you feel any different, but 102 is going to be much harder for me to move out of than 101 is. 101, I'm almost I'm almost always I should clarify this. I'm almost always trying to move out of the 101. I think um I think there's a little bit more risk with Caleb than people want to admit, but you have to chase that upside. So that's like to me, like if you take if you're able to take him at the 102, you're kind of just like you're you're kind of free rolling based on the price being a little bit lower. But I agree. If I have the opportunity to sell it and Caleb's still there, I'm treating it like no one's even drafted anybody yet. And if you want Caleb, come get him, but it's gonna cost you a pretty penny. Yeah, it's it 101 and 102, like I said, for me, it's like it's the same pick in my mind. It's I'm getting a superstar either way. So you got to pay me like you're you're getting a superstar too. So then let's just hop right over to the 103 cuz this is this is where you and I are truly going to start to differ. So you're who is your say it again, you're 103 right now. Jaden Daniels and I can tell you right now if Jaden Daniels is there at the 103 which we know the first two picks what they should be, I'm not moving the 103. It would cost a lot. Because I'm a big fan of Jaden Daniels and not having obviously you're paying you're paying the premium because you know who the first two picks are. So you're paying the next you're paying the next pick. And um, so there is risk there. But for me, that's such high upside risk that I'm so willing to take it. And obviously it's a premium pick, but it's not a premium 101 or 102. If those were to miss, like I'm not reaching on him, I'm not, not he's not gonna be in my 101 or 102 selections if I have them, but I'm running the pick to the podium. I respect it. I disagree. Um, Daniels for me is just a prospect that has too many red flags for me to overlook, in my opinion. Um, you know, had to be a little bit older to really start producing. Like, you know, really didn't have a ton of production um, at Arizona State. Um, started off pretty decent his his freshman year. You know, he had a good touch on interception ratio. Um, didn't have like crazy yardage or anything. Showed some of the rushing upside, but. Uh, you know, had the injury year two, uh, only played in four games, uh, came back to Arizona State, really, you know, didn't really show a lot as a senior at LSU, didn't really show a lot. And then as a super senior is really when he had his breakout. Um, and obviously he's got some rushing upside, but I don't think his rushing upside is drastically like he can do some really special things. But he also every time he gets hit, it's like watching a cartoon character get, get blown up. And his, I don't remember if it was his pressure rate or his sack rate. Um, it's through the ceiling. Like, it's extremely high. Um, I'm trying to find the exact stat now, so I don't want to quote it until I find it. I have to. It's probably, it's probably sack rates because quarterbacks that, that rush usually have a little bit higher of a, of a rate because they hold the ball for longer. Yeah. I'm trying to. Hold on. But either way, for me, it's Drake May. So we're, we're both, uh, you know, we're both quarterback at the at the 103 there. May for me is just a little bit more complete of a prospect. He makes some questionable decisions at times, but he's also working with far inferior talent to a lot of other quarterbacks, in my opinion. Um, so he makes those hero throws a little bit more, which is something I think people are are neglecting to take into account with him. Like people always talk about how much Caleb has to make, like tries to make the hero play. Drake May does it. A lot too. He scrambles when he doesn't have to. He moves out of the pocket when he doesn't have to. Like a lot of things are really similar between these guys' prospects. But for me, I think his rushing upside is undervalued. And I think he's going to go into a little bit of a better situation than Caleb is likely going to go into, in, in my opinion, Chicago. Um, I think Drake is going to be the second player taken off the board. I think he's going to have a more complete team around him. Um, will that happen? Remains to be seen. Um, but for me at the 103, that's not a pick that I'm tied into. So for me, 103 is much more flexible. Um, I'm still going to try and target, obviously, some of the higher tier players. Um, but for me, the 103 starts to be where I can get a little bit more creative with my trades, where I feel more comfortable taking some of those later first if I'm getting a decent enough player on top of it. So like, if you offer me the 107 and Nico Collins to move out of the 103, I don't know if I'm taking it, but I'm thinking about it. You know, I'm, if you offer me DK and the 107 for the 103, I'm probably going to take that. It's like, it's one of those picks that I'm not as tied into. And I would venture to say that it's not the easiest pick for me to move out of. I'm comfortable taking a Drake May there. Or if Malik shoots up the draft boards for me, um, like if the testing and everything, you know, lines up to where I think it's going to, he may be my 103, but as of right now, it's May. 
I'm probably asking a little bit more of a premium just because it is a quarterback, but I'm flexible with it. I, I do think because you you brought up about being more flexible or creative. I think that 103 is a position in which you can get something now. And then I actually would target future first because most likely the guys that are or the, the managers that are trading up um, have picks that are in later in the first. And to me, in most scenarios, unless like something happens where we see player X go to like to the perfect situation who, who has a good, a good enough profile and has enough talent to, to prove to be um, useful in that, in that selection. Mm-hmm. I'd rather get future first, to be honest with you, like, give me a player, give me a future first, maybe some yeah. other, other future picks. Maybe I get a first next year, um, a mid second this year, a player, it might still not be enough to move 103. I'm just, this is for yeah. those that maybe want to move out of 103. It may not still be enough to move it, but it, I think that starts the conversation. And then maybe you're able to, to flip some some bench guys that uh, you feel are more closer related to roster cloggers for maybe a useful upside player mm-hmm. that can sit on your bench, things like that. And just always kind of like try to tweak little spots. Yeah. I, I found the stat, by the way. So it's um, looking exclusively at the SEC. The worst drop back pressure to sack percentage. So basically what percentage of pressures turn into sacks? Um, 2022, Jaden Daniels was at 68.9%, which is the second highest in the SEC since 2019. He did improve in 2023, but it's still at 51.4%. So that concerns me a little bit about how much of his rushing talent can actually be utilized because... It seems to me that a lot more of his success as a runner comes from designed runs as opposed to true scramble ability. And that's not to say you can't be successful, but if you see a guy like Justin Fields, most of his production comes from scrambles. If you look at a Lamar, most of the rushing production does come from scrambles. There obviously, you know, for both of those guys, some of it does come from design runs as well. Um, but if you, th- I think of more of like a, a Jalen Hurts, like they don't really call many comparatively many design runs for Jalen Hurts but he's such a good scrambler he's so good outside of outside of pocket outside of um the concept that they're trying to run that he can pick up yardage there I don't know that Jane Daniels can do the same which is where my hesitation comes with him because that number is concerning especially when you consider that like everybody else on the ranks like Peyton Thorne he's at 80 percent I don't think he's going to be a great NFL player Hendon Hooker he's a backup uh, KJ Jefferson, don't think he's a good NFL player. Felipe Franks, we know he's not a good NFL player. Um, Jared uh, Guartano, Guarantano, I don't even think he's in the NFL. So, like, it's just it's a concerning list for me to see him be a, a part of. Um, so that that's for those who question or don't like who like Jaden Daniels as much as Tim does. That's where my question marks sort of come from. I can't believe you don't have a solidified. Um... You just solidified your opinion on Felipe Franks. I think the, the jury's still out. I'm joking, by the way. Hey, man, maybe he can convert <laughs> to tight end. I don't know. But yeah, so well, that... one other comment I just wanted to make yeah. real quick. When you're trading back, you st- a big thing to know is that you are you can't be sure of who the player is that, that your opponent or your league mate is trying to trade up for. So right. don't think because X, X players off the board that they're not just as interest, interested in the player that's still there. Obviously, they're trading up for it. But it could be that it could be 103, and we think that May goes, or we think that Daniel should go, and they want neighbors, and they just want to make sure they lock neighbors yep. in. So it could be an instance in which they're not looking for a quarterback. So the conversation might be a little bit different where, oh, well, you'll get May. and Because like for me, I'm thinking I'm just looking at ranks real quick. And like for example, like let's talk like Waddle. Like, what on top of Waddle would you require for the 103? At least 107. Okay, so let's say a future first and a second, like I was talking. Yeah, like yeah, 24 or 25 first and a, give me like the two five. Yeah, so let's just say that that trade goes through, right? You might be very happy that you, you got yourself a wide receiver that potentially is a top, you know, 15 wide receiver producing every year for the next couple of years or whatnot. And then you have a future first, so you have a little bit more... Um, future investment, which is good, it's flexibility, and then you get to take a shot at 205. They might think that Neighbors is worth all that, and, and you might be trying to put it as, well, you know, you got to come up here and get Drake May, where in reality, they're not even looking at May. So yeah. they they may feel that they're almost replacing 
a player of much higher caliber than Waddle in their lineup where you're trying to sell them for either roster or positional value. And in, in, in that sense, yeah. they're not even looking at that. And that's a, that's a situation too, where when it comes to rookie drafts, if I'm moving out of the pick, I will, and you want the pick, I will straight up ask you who you're taking. <laughs> I, I, I'm not, I, I'll never do it in a startup, but if you, if you come to me and say, I want the one Oh three. All right. Who are you targeting here? Because we're going to have different conversations. Because if you tell me that you are between two guys, okay, then cool. I can judge it off of that. If you tell me you're moving up this far, if you if you tell me you're moving up to the 103 for Brock Bowers, I'm asking for the house. Like I'm like if you are that because because <laughs> if you are that ahead of ADP, because we we've basically it's a basic consensus right now that Brock Bowers ADP is going to be around the 105, 106. If you so uh, in my mind, he's the 106. So if you Tell me that you are moving up to the 103 for what I presume to be the 106 and you happen to have the 106. I'm at minimum asking you for the 106 because now I know I'm getting a guy that I value above him guaranteed and I'm going to get something else on top of it. I can I can actually win. It's one of the few times where I feel like I'm I'm really trying to win the trade like more often than not. I'm trying to make both parties happy in this in the rookie draft for me. It is it is war. I am trying to absolutely make out with the house i don't think i could ever ask someone who they're taking well i've done it it is a different approach it is a different approach if you if you were if you are aggressively if you were coming to me and trying to move up i'm i gotta know who it's for especially if you tell me it's like a donnie mitchell if you're coming up to the 103 for a donnie mitchell i'm asking you for patrick mahomes like if you are that ahead on of a guy (laughs) i'm i'm taking advantage of that every single time but you know it's an option you know mm-hmm. they may they may tell you i'm not comfortable telling you who i want all right fine i'm going to base it off of then who i value there but let's keep this rolling onto the 104 104 for me as of right now leak neighbors he's a stud i i think it's fair to say that him and jamar or him and um marvin are the best prospects as at wide receiver that we've had since Jamar probably came out and each are both of them are top 10 wide receiver prospects for me in the last five years. Like I don't any other class Malik is going to be the consensus one-on-one wide receiver. It's just not happening this year because Marvin Harrison also happens to be in the class. So for me still looking, I'm looking more in the one four range. I'm looking more for a wide receiver plus a future first swap. So I'm looking more of like, Oh, you want the one? Okay, you want the one hundred four off of me? I know I can get neighbors here. I'm on the clock. I know who's already been drafted. I need Garrett Wilson. I need a future first. I, like I'm, I'm trying to stay in the in that top tier as much as I can. Still, if I can't get that done, I'm actually willing to accept a couple later first this draft and maybe some future capital or a lesser tier player. Like, um, look at I'll look at my rankings here for example. So like a, you know, go down to my wide receiver call it like that 28 to 30 range. So like uh, Mike Evans, Amari Cooper, Jane Reed, George Pickens, like guys kind of in that range, plus a couple firsts, you know, and this is the only time in my, like I'm truly asking for multiple picks because at that point I know who I'm getting. And to me, I'm still getting like a guy who would be at the top of everybody's prospect chart if the guy in front of him didn't exist. So like for me, like if both Marvin and Caleb didn't exist, Drake Bay would be most people's quarterback one. Malik neighbors would be most people's wide receiver one. So for me, I'm valuing them as if it's an, a completely different class. Though, like you said earlier that those previous picks didn't exist. And I, I need something on top. I need a good trade here to really move out of it. I could hear on that. I want a good, uh, kind of pair 103 104 just in this conversation real quick uh i have no issue moving either pick straight up for for kyler um yep pretty much that's like the quarterback that sits there i would talk purdy as i said before i said because of the fact that i can uh kind of navigate the risk i i don't think you have to but i think you know purdy could be worth the 103 just for the fact you could solidify a quarterback but i think you can get stuff back on top of purdy yep but if you need a quarterback. I would much rather flip it for Kyler and just get Kyler. If you can do that, 
yeah. my league's most likely not because we have some Kyler lovers, including myself. But uh, he's cr- he's climbing back up, and the two startups I've done, he's gone in the top or three startups I've done now, the top half of the second round of of startups. Yeah. So people are back that, in on Kyler now. That's still too low. So Agreed. if people are valuing him that way, you might be able to get something on top. But if I can do a swap straight up 103, 104 for Kyler, I think you do it all day. Yeah, I think Kyler's right there for me. I think this is where Richardson starts to come in the conversation with me too. If I'm getting another piece on top of it, just because I'm still getting the upside, still getting, you know, we saw what he produced as a fantasy asset in the four games that he was able to play this year. We know the upside is extremely high. And if I can get something else on top of it too, um, or I'm fine dropping down and taking some of those risks on a potential top guy. If I'm again, if I'm getting a decent enough, uh, plus on top of it so like that's where justin fields comes in the conversation with me 100 percent. that's where trevor lawrence tua are in the conversation even bryce young for me like if you're going to offer me a, de- a sizable plus and bryce young i'll still take the ch- bryce young is still a 22 year old quarterback who was put into one of the worst systems that the world has ever seen like i think there's still hope for bryce young but again has to be a sizable plus on top of it I'm waiting a while before I offer picks for Bryce Young, and it's going to be late first, but it's not going to be 103, 104. And to get get Tua away from my roster, okay? I'm not paying that for Tua. But I hear what you're saying. But yeah, you're it, targeting players, you're getting yourself some picks, something on top where you kind of sustain the the fact that you're replacing or fulfilling that quarterback position and getting yeah. you're getting the juice on top for sure. Yeah, like if you're going to offer me Devin Achan and Tua for the 103, we're gonna have, we're gonna have a conversation at minimum. Like mm-hmm. you're you're if you're gonna offer me, let's go over to wide receivers just to to cover our bases here. If you're gonna offer me Rasheed Rice and and Tua for the 103, we're talking. If we go over to tight end, even if you're offering me Kyle Pitts and Tua for the 103, like we're we're having conversations here. Like I'm I'm getting a, an asset, like you said with Hurt Purdy. I'm solidifying my quarterback spot. I know I have. 16 plus points per game of production from my quarterback spot. And I'm taking, you know, a risk on a higher upside player or on the inverse, I'm taking the risk on Justin Fields and knowing I have an extremely high upside player, but you're going to give me back a, like a David and Joku, Evan Ingram. I still need more pluses on top of those guys. Um, But if you're going to give me like a Devonte Adams, if you're going to give me, you know, like a, an older receiver who's fallen down people's rankings a little bit or running back wise, if you're going to give me like a Josh Jacobs, a Saquon, something like that on top of it as well, you know, I'm, I'm mitigating some of that risk while still taking on some risk. I'm, you know, I'm insulating the value that's there while still accepting some future risk in the hope that that pans out. And then I have excess value. Yep, my two favorite quarterbacks to move off of in this area too would be Kyler and Justin Fields. And I feel based on Justin Fields going late second, early third, or even mid third in a lot of startups, mm-hmm. I think that the market is grossly um, misvaluing him. And I think it could create very great opportunity to make moves back. Uh, I was going to ask you too. Well, at 103, obviously, we're probably not talking wide or running backs, excuse me. Mm-hmm. But are there any running backs you would consider? Would you consider Brees Hall with the 103-104? Would you consider Gibbs? Um, is Taylor at a point where you'd rather have the 104? Or would you rather would you rather trade for Taylor? It depends on my team composition. If it's an earned 103, I'm probably not taking on any running back that isn't Bijan or Brees. If it's a 103 that I acquired through a, an, another trade and my roster's in a good enough spot to be a, a competitive team, that's where Gibbs comes in the conversation. That's where Taylor comes in the conversation. Even CMC, like that's a that's kind of an all-in move. You know, I'm really banking on CMC staying healthy next year and, and producing like he did this year. But that that's really where the you know kind of my top five running backs come into conversation. Um, I- I really like the all-in move that you're talking. Not saying it has to be CMC or anything particular, but the thought process. If your team is there, obviously running backs, buying running backs in the offseason is very risky. But if your team is there, it's basically it's already competing and you're you're, you're supplementing a whole extra stud player into your lineup. I I look less at years at that point. Not saying I, I'm right. I want to trade the 103 for, you know, Devontae Adams, who's older. I love Devontae Adams, but you know, I understand the, the marketplace in terms of valuation. But don't look at it as, that, oh, I'm moving all this value. In in reality, if you're going and getting yourself a CMC, yes, that 103 could work out. He 
could be a very good player, but he right. also could bust. And you really can't afford to have busts during um, a, a situation in which you are really going for it and could really supplant yourself, solidify yourself as like a true competitor. If you right. actually in situations like that, yeah, you could go and like, let's, let's say you have aging quarterbacks. You, you want to draft a quarterback. Totally cool. But also something else you could do is trade that 103 for future first, multiple first, and maybe two firsts and a second or two first, two seconds that are in the future mm-hmm. and use those when the next season comes around. Cause then they're current picks, right? Go buy yourself running backs in season. Once, once you get to a position where let's say yours got hurt or something, but you have all of this flexibility that's not stuck in one player who, if he yeah. busts, you can't move for players to then sub uh, just continue to supplement your lineup or improve your lineup. So for me, in those situations, if I'm already competing, there's a lot of times where obviously I want the stud rookie if I can get it. Right. But I'm never turning down flexibility. Right. hundred percent. Yeah. And so there was a trade that got posted on Twitter today. Um, somebody traded, I think it was Josh Allen, 305 and 411, or maybe those picks were swapped or Jalen Hurts and a 26 first. And for me, I'm taking the, I'm taking the, the Hurts side every single time. If we're can looking, you repeat, can you repeat the train one more time? Yeah, Josh Allen, uh, the three, like a mid to late third and a mid to late fourth for Jalen Hurts and a 26 first. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so my argument, most people, the only person that truly like argued with me on there was the difference, me saying that the gap between Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts isn't that big. Sure, production wise, Josh Allen's been 24 plus points per game for like four years. Cool. Jalen Hurts has done it once. Cool. But pure value, DLF startup ADP for January, quarterback one and quarterback two, the one and the first and second player off the board. So I'm really not losing that much value in terms of the quarterbacks. But that 26 first, I can hold it all the way to 26 if I want. But more likely than not, I'm immediately moving that 26 first for an additional asset. So while I'm losing the two and a half, three points per game production from Hertz to from Allen to Hertz. I'm probably improving my I'm three getting three plus points per game production or more from an additional asset that I'm moving that 26 first for. So that's where that future flexibility really comes into play and why, especially in the off season, you really shouldn't be making all in moves in the off season. You should be accruing as much value as you possibly can, because that's what gives you the flexibility in season to make those moves. Cause if, if you come to me week three of next year, you're own three, your team is dead. Nine guys are hurt. You're dead in the water, but you have CMC and you're trying to extract as much value from him. I'm going to instantly offer you a 26 first and like a 25 second. And I'm going to get CMC. And now Sure, I I have Jalen Hurts still at quarterback. Awesome. Oh, no. Oh, no. And now instead of starting, I don't know, Brian Robinson at running back, I get to throw Christian McCaffrey in my lineup every week. Do not besmirch Brian Robinson. No, I, I get you. I I, I, get I like you. Brian Robinson, but Brian Robinson and CMC barely play the same position on the football field. So, you know, it, it's people look at things too linearly, linearly sometimes when you have to realize that like there's a spectrum here that we're working on. We're working on a wave more than we're working on a straight line. So like, yes, you can compare two things, but realistically it's like, where's the drop off between these two things versus where's the difference between these two things. And if I end up on the positive side of the graph, I'm happy every time there's kind of a thought or a term when like even poker, how there's blinds, mm-hmm. how money rotates left because of who's in the blinds and things like that. So I always try to collect in terms of blinds. You're always trying to get at least more than more than what you're supposed to be getting. So that's kind of the idea if you're right riding the wave where you're, you're extracting yeah. as much value for the drop, gaining more value on the way up, realizing that value, doing the same thing again. And over time, that allows you to really increase the value of your your lineup, your roster, as well as the assets you have to trade. And something else too, I want to talk about that first, that 26 first. That scenario is crazy. I don't think people are ever going to pay a first on top to move up to Allen. But if you think about it in terms of, you just said and forget with that pick too. If you were to look at a random roster, right? 
and you're you're just reviewing the roster and you see they have hurts. Cool, they have hurts, like top three, five quarterback, whatever you want to define it as. I'm not trying to get stuck up on that. And then you see the same lineup with Allen. Your reaction is really not going to be that it's, much It's different. no different. It's literally so, no different. As a guy who rosters a bunch of Jalen Hurts and a mm-hmm. bunch of Josh Allen, in both scenarios, I just go, cool. I have a top two quarterback. Yeah. So once all you I say, I don't line up within those tiers. You, you're happy regardless. And this is why we do tiered rankings, everybody. But <laughs> we don't have too much time left. So I want to hop into the 105. So who's yeah. your current 105? You said is Drake May. Yeah. And mine's, I'm fine taking him at 104 if I'm quarterback needy. And mine's Jane Daniels. So it's not like, again, you know, we we view the positions of these picks very, very similarly. It's really just like the players that we're kind of nitpicking on, which is how it's always going to be. Even within the JWB team, we may have five different 105s. Like it's just how players are valued is going to be different for everybody. Um, but for me at the 105, um, like I said, this is the last like tier that I'm excited about. Like, I don't get me wrong. I'm excited about Brock Bowers talent. If he doesn't go to a team that utilizes the tight end, well, a la Kincaid going to Buffalo last year, like we talked about last week, like if they don't use Brock Bowers as Brock Bowers, if they try and turn Brock Bowers into Mercedes Lewis, like doesn't matter how talented the guy is. If a team uses him wrong, they use him wrong. Um, but for the, for the one Oh five, you know, this is where I start to, um, be a lot more willing to take on more aging players, um, in general. So like quarterback wise, um, for example, I'm looking like more comfortable with, again, with a sizable plus like Jordan love, Jared Goff, Deshaun Watson. Like I'm still getting some upside at the quarterback position there, but you're giving me a plus on top of it. Um, and this is where running backs are like fully in play. Like if you offer me, if I'm on the on the clock at the 105 and you offer me Travis Etienne, I'm probably going to counter to ask for like a second on top of it, but it, we're not far off in value in my opinion. Like I think we're a lot closer, um, in, you know, in terms of value comparison to some of these riskier assets and quote unquote running backs. Um, you know, according to Keep Trade Cut. That's this is like the AJ Brown, Kyler, Chris Olave, Trey McBride range are all similarly priced assets to the 105. I think McBride might be the only one who's surely attainable in that list without me adding a little bit of something on top. But this is also a spot where I feel okay adding a little bit on top to go and get a guy that I value higher. So this is where I'm like, okay, saying I'll give you the I say I also have like the 201. You want the 105 and the 201 for Kyler? Sign me up. I'm in. You want the 105 and the 201 for AJ Brown? Here you go. Cool. Works for me. Because I'm assuming if I'm the 105, if it's again, if it's a an earned pick, if it's a pick that my team earned the 105, I'm a fringe playoff team. Like I'm one or two games going my way from being in the playoffs, and then it's no holds barred, anything goes. So I'm okay taking on a little bit more age here simply to make my team on paper better. I like that approach. Um, I think that. This could have a lot of, with potentially if it's May or if it's neighbors, I think your market changes drastically. Oh, 100%. Because if, it, May, if, if, if those guys are there at the 105, I'm not trading out of it. I'm just taking those guys. Well, for like just in, in my scenario, like it's like if someone really views neighbors as just or almost as good as Marvin, then they're most likely willing to pay pretty a pretty penny. And for me, I would want, in most scenarios, obviously, you test your market out. You, you you try different things. You have conversations. But I would like to get two future first if I'm moving to 105. I don't want late first this year. The what the purpose for me to get late first would be to trade them to re-roll for next season or to split them up. I'm, I'm waiting until draft day to do this. But right. to split them up into multiple second round picks and take more shots in the draft later in the draft. But I would much rather just avoid late first as much as possible in this year's class just because... There's so much that's not definitive right now. And then you're letting something, some piece of information or some piece of the puzzle have way too much influence on the rest of the picture. So like, okay, so some guy gets really good draft capital. Awesome. Did we like his, did we like his profile or his abilities that much two weeks ago? No. Yeah. So I'm not the one that's going to be willing to take that risk. Right. So for me, I'd rather move out, get multiple first. Maybe I got to get something back small on top or something like that. Or um for me i the 105 is is my tier so 
it's a little bit different for me to be like, oh, well, I do this at the 106. But I'm down to then, like you said, explore players that who potentially will outproduce what the 105 does for multiple seasons. Or mm-hmm. like for me, Tyree Kill, I'm not saying you have to pay the 105 because I don't think you have to. But Tyree Kill most likely is going to outscore neighbors. Yeah, just just is he's Tyree Kill. He's, so if we're you hoping that neighbors is 90 percent of what Tyree Kill is. Yeah. And if you understand that timeline, and especially if you have late first, like that could be something you could do too, is try to explore trades for a Tyree Kill. But so something like that, where I'm looking for a guy that I know is a stud, maybe I pay a little bit more on top, like you were saying, but I think there's a, a clear cut after the first five for me. Yeah, it's it's same for me. So like I said, I, I basically view like one and two as a tier, one and one and 102 is a tier, 103 and 104 is a tier, 105 is a tier, 106 is a tier. So, you know, I think 106 for both of us is is Bowers. Odun's for you. Yeah. I I love Bowers, but I don't like drafting tight ends with premium picks. I just don't. Yeah. No, I I I until last year, really, I don't think I've ever traded a first for a tight end. But I got aggressive on my love for Mark Andrews, so I made things happen. But yeah, no, I generally agree with you. I the only reason Brock Bowers is different for me is people talked about Kyle Pitts being one of the best tight end prospects that we've ever seen. I truly believe that Brock Bowers is the single best tight end prospect that the NFL has ever had. Um, He's so much better as a blocker than 90% of people think he is. He's one of the best route runners at the tight end position that we've ever seen. His yak ability is completely unmatched, in my opinion, from most prospects that we've seen at the tight end position. So he's the one exception for me. But again, it's it's very landing spot dependent with him. If he goes to a team where they don't utilize the tight end super, super well, or he goes to a team where the the goal of the tight end in that scheme is to be as a soft zone sitter and just get open a la Zach Ertz back in the day, you know, find soft zones, sit there, be a safety blanket. As much as his yak ability is there, yak ability gets diminished quite a bit when you have to turn your back to the quarterback for them to trust throwing you the ball. Um, so he becomes a little bit more positionally dependent for me, but 106 is a lot like the 105 for me in terms of what I'm trading for it. Uh, I want those future first and a player on top of it. Um, I don't really want many picks in this draft, maybe like the 107, 108, just to move back a couple of spots. If I get a decent enough first, I'm going to be lower than market on Odunes. I already know he might be my wide receiver four or five, even depending on what we see. Um, out of testing and and draft capital and whatnot, but for me, you know, I'm I'm fine taking him if I get a decent enough plus on top of the quote unquote Brock Bowers pick. I think that with 105 and 106, you should be targeting tight end needy teams to try to charge them extra. I would agree. Find the Hawkinson team, who is a really competitive roster, but their backup tight end Hawkinson is, I don't know, Irv Smith Jr. or even Kate, like Kate, like guys like that, like the non different makers at the posi- difference makers at the position and go see if you can get TJ Hawkinson in a future first, because I think there's teams that are going to do that on the clock. They're going to say Hawkinson, you know, he's been good, not a superstar. In my opinion, I need the tight end production. I think Browers Bowers is him. Throw me a 26 first or 27 first. If your league allows it on top of Hawkinson, I'll do that all day. If I also want a tight end, and if I don't want a tight end, I'm looking at your team and I'm going, okay, you've got Tyreek Hill. You've got Saquon Barkley and other guys that you're willing to get rid of. You've got other, you know, these guys who can be elite producers, like you said, you know, outproduce what that pick is going to produce in the NFL from day one and probably in years two and three as well. And so what if they age out on my roster a little bit? I, I excreted my value from that pick. And if I played my cards right, I got out, I got a, some extra value out of it by flipping that that player before they truly you know declined and truly fell off. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Um, once again, I just I'm not, not sure if Tyreek costs the 106, but current he's definitely he's definitely worth getting with the 106. Current keep trade cut value has you adding like Bailey Zappi, Mason Rudolph, Josh Kelly to Tyreek for the 105. Based off of current keep trade cut values. So if you're telling me for the 105, I can get Tyreek Hill and something, sign me up. I'm in. 
106. 106, let me look at that real quick. Probably not too far off based off of what I've seen so far from these pick values. So it it says that the 106 is basically a a push trade, basically almost completely even, literally like 25 points of value difference right now. So I've got the I've got the 106. You want to give me Tyreek Hill? Okay. You want to give me Tyreek Hill? Okay. (laughs) And if it and guess what? If my team sucks halfway through the year, I just go flip Tyreek Hill for a future first and something else. I'll go get Jaden Reed and a future first for Tyreek. Something as well I want to talk about with these picks and targeting those teams that need tight ends is that if they're willing to pay you, you know, multiple firsts as if you're 105 and might be first, future seconds, things like that, or two firsts, you give something on top, that if that tight end doesn't hit, there's still a hole in their lineup, which impacts their total scoring, which could impact their ability to make playoffs. So you might be trading a 106 or a 106 in a future first. Yeah. There's a chance. You got to be willing to take some risks when it comes to the rookie picks. But that is our all of our time for this evening. Thank you guys, as always, for tuning in. Tim, thanks, as always, for your lovely insight. Even if we disagree on players sometimes, I still love you. Me too. I love you too. Thank you guys <laughs> for tuning in to another episode of the Dynasty Digest. As I said earlier, make sure you guys subscribe to the channel. Help us to that goal of 2,500 subscribers. Make sure you check out the Discord and Patreon links down below. Uh, Discord, over 700 active members in there, constantly talking about the game of football and fantasy football and music and stuff sometimes. We talk about everything over there. Patreon, if you want to pay a little bit to have some more in-depth analysis from the JWB team, it's less than a cup of coffee a month, guys. It's really affordable. Definitely worth it if you want some deeper insight to your teams. Make sure you check out our Clips catalog as well to find all of the lovely things that we talk about in these episodes at the touch of a button. And then, as always, make sure you check or sign up at Underdog with Underdog Fantasy using code JWB for a deposit match of up to $100. And we will see you all in next week's episode.